0: chronicling the history of the COVID-19 pandemic. This is Historian's Podcast Special Edition. I'm Bob Cudmore. Joining us is Marietta Carr, librarian of the Schenectady County Historical Society. Thanks for joining us, Marietta.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: The Schenectady County Historical Society is encouraging us to keep track of events of the local history of the pandemic. Why should we do this?
1: It's really important for future generations to understand how an event like this impacts um, the community and in particular impacts individuals who may not make it into the historical record in other ways. They're not being interviewed in the newspaper or appearing on TV. They're not publishing Uh, their own research or publishing, their own perspectives in in other ways. So recording your own experiences is important because people want to understand how people like them, regular people, um, Mm -hmm. individuals who aren't politicians, who aren't newscasters, um, or who don't have sort of a bigger role to play but have been impacted by this virus, how they live through it and what that means for again regular people in the future what that would mean for
0: them Mm, sounds important i was just reading a magazine article about the history of pandemics which go way back uh in in history and really change things um this this sort of was like a, a slide into change you know what i mean in other words well, you know, we had to stay home for a couple of days, but now it's been a couple of weeks, and what's going to happen next?
1: Right, and I think that's part of what makes it so important for people uh, to record their own experiences because it didn't happen all at once. It happened, it hit different parts of the community in different ways and at different times. Um, For example, you know, nurses and doctors are experiencing this in a different way than um, me, for example. I'm not, you know, on the front lines in any way, but I'm still playing something of a part in, in staying home and adjusting my schedule to fit with what's being told at the time. And, again, that's changing very quickly. It changes every day. And, again, another part of the community might be experiencing this differently. People who are volunteering at food banks, for example, are, again, experiencing things very differently. So, recording our experiences and trying to create this bigger picture of how the whole community is impacted, especially given how different the timeline is. Um, you know, I wasn't impacted until several weeks ago. Some people mm-hmm. were impacted right away. It's it's a very different way of approaching it in terms of how other. People experienced it. We're all aware of it, but we're not experiencing it the same way.
0: Since you brought up your own situation, let me probe you on that. I mean, uh, and and the society, This Schenectady County Historical Society buildings are closed now. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And, and th- they include your home. stockade headquarters and the and the library where you're the librarian. And then you have another place out in rotterdam junction called the maybe farm correct but some of the time you're you're at the at the building yourself
1: very rarely so we still have um some things that need to be done on site in order to preserve the collection Um, mainly just going through the buildings and making sure that the collection is still secure that there's no water leaks or, or any sort of Building structure issues. Um, fortunately, we've not had any problems, but that is something that we need to check regularly. So we're not in the buildings every day. We're really just there periodically to check on the collection and make sure that everything is safe and sound and and still still being preserved the way it needs to be preserved. And then out at Maybe Farm, um, the facilities manager has been working outside on the grounds of the farm because if we don't continue with some of those activities with planting or uh, preparing the farm grounds, in the fall, we won't have the materials that we need to use to do our our school programs or some of the other programs Mm -hmm. that we do uh, for the community. So we're very rarely in any of the buildings and we're very limited in what we are doing on site. But we are working from home, We are trying to continue to engage the community um, in various ways. And, for example, our curator just published a digital version of our current exhibit at Mm the uh, museum in 32 Washington Avenue. So even though the exhibit is closed and people can't see the objects in person, they can still learn and experience the exhibit online.
0: And I hate to put you on the spot, but I guess I will. I mean, has anybody been laid off yet? No. Okay, well, that's good. Um, and in general, for, for people, I mean, your story is interesting. Honestly, being interested in history, I was very, uh, uh, wanted to know what you had to say. But what are some, maybe people are thinking, well, you know, what can I do to record history? How, how do you do that?
1: There's really no wrong way to record your experiences. There's um, the more traditional way, which is to keep a paper journal, you know, write down every day what you're thinking or feeling or something that has happened that uh, you feel is notable. Um, But there's other options as well. You can make a video log. You can keep a scrapbook. Um, with articles or with pictures, you can take photos of your home, of the people in your home, or your neighborhood, and what's been going on around your neighborhood. You can interview your family members and record those interviews, either again writing it out or using um, an app to record those those interviews. Just talking again about what people are thinking or feeling or how they are reacting to changes in, in the situation, um, what they wish was they were, were able to do differently or what they think they're doing well or things that might, um, again, be different from how they normally operate or what their normal lives are like and what makes this situation distinctive. The other thing that people can do, to record their experiences, we do have a form online on the mm-hmm. Grums Doodle Little Library blog. They can fill out, um, the form is just a quick sort of snapshot of what they're thinking and feeling at the moment to help us collect those experiences well. If they don't want to keep sort of a long-term project like a journal or, um, interview log or anything like that, there's still a way that they can sort of contribute what's happening sort of in this moment.
0: Mm -hmm. How do you access the form? It's on the website of the uh, Schenectady County Historical?
1: Yes. So it's on our Facebook page as well. So there's basically three places that you can find this form or find the link to this form. It's on our website, the SchenectadyHistorical.org. It's on... The Grems little Library blog, and it's on our Facebook page as well. Okay.
0: One thing that um, I've found interesting, uh, maybe in terms of finding out what people are doing during the the current uh, quarantine or lockdown or whatever we choose to call it, I, I, I don't think we're alone in this. But my um, Audrey and I we have like, well, from time to time, we'll run across or somebody will email me from like the past, you know, somebody I knew in college, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. And th- then we'll often set up a uh, one of those face chats, you know, either on Google or uh, Facebook Live or um, something like that. The, the one that gets getting all the attention Zoom. And it's interesting to hear the, the you know, the little differences with other people. You know what I mean? Like somebody will say, well, I make sure I, you know, I wash everything that comes into the house and others will say, well, I go out and, you know, I just try to be as careful as I can. You kind of get a a spectrum of, of opinions of people and and how they're dealing with this um, self-imposed exile.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's an important point because like I said earlier, everyone's experiencing this slightly differently and some of it may be that you know, everyone has slightly different risk factors or everyone has a different kind of business or a different job. Um, it may be that your living situation is different. So it really does kind of bring out the individual life story. You know, how do, how are we all different? But then at the same time, we're experiencing this that is such a, a huge moment and experiencing it all together, but also very individually. And I think people in the future will really want to learn more about that and want to understand just why everyone reacted so differently.
0: Mm. Because it's not a really uh, a well-formed idea as to what you specifically should do, it seems to me. But I know they say social distance, you stay home don't, you know, interact, don't get close to people, but there's a certain amount of leeway as to obviously as to what each of us is doing.
2: Well,
1: everybody in different areas, you know, different States have are handling it differently, different um, communities, even within certain States are handling it differently. Like our experience here in Schenectady is very different than what people in Albany are experiencing or what people in New York city are experiencing. So, Yes, it is, and there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of information from a lot of different sources. You know, people are getting information from the news. They're getting information from the state, They're getting information from their doctors. They're also getting information from their friends and family who may have, again, different information depending on where they live or how their community has responded to it. And, again, I think people are trying to do their best in this situation and I think that's really sort of interesting to to talk about as to just how information has come to you and whether or not you trust the source and whether or not you are able to follow the directives that are being handed down to you or the tips that are being shared amongst your family and friends and I think people are trying to make sense of something that is at this point, perhaps just too big and too vast to really
0: make Mm -hmm. sense of. And of course, and we're changing as the um, confinement goes on, like maybe a couple of weeks ago, if somebody said, well, you know, you won't even be able to have Easter dinner. And I was, Oh, come on. But I don't think we will, you know, in other words, with other people, maybe some people will, and God bless them. But, uh, um, I think, again, to me, as as time has gone on and it's gotten more serious or more explicit as to what the danger is, we're willing to do uh, things that we didn't think we'd be willing to do.
1: Yes, and I think, again, people in the future will want to understand and know about those kinds of adaptations. Um, People who, you know, take for granted what, is tradition or what is the normal way of doing things and they'll be able to look back on the journals or the letters or the emails and the video calls and see what people were talking about and thinking about and hear just how big of a a question the the idea of Easter dinner or spending the holidays with your family or even just, you know, getting outside and whether or not that's a good idea or how you should protect yourself and others. And they'll want to know that it isn't really clear cut um, at times mm-hmm. and that people really did struggle with these questions.
0: We're talking with the uh, librarian at the Schenectady County uh, Historical uh, Society, Marietta Carr about efforts to record local history insofar as the uh, COVID-19 crisis is concerned. I did want to mention that you're not the only historical organization advocating this. There was um, a widely circulated among history folks, I think, um, uh, suggestions from, probably you saw it, the Association of Public Historians of New York State uh, making suggestions on how the municipal historians like the Schenectady city and county historians uh, can uh, document the current pandemic.
1: Correct. And it's not just us here locally in in Schenectady or in New York. It's all over the country and all over the world. There are um, a number of projects for archivists, historians, teachers, um, librarians, and government officials, to try and capture this moment and document it for the historical record. And there are a number of ways that people can contribute on a global scale as well if they're interested. Um, I, in the grimes Little Library blog, I mention a couple of those. Um, but there's, you know, again, this moment is just so big and so vast that there are many, many people working to try and capture as much information about what's going on right now as possible.
0: And the other day, and this is a somewhat off topic, I think, but um, I, it occurred to me, I don't even know what we're talking about. You know, what are the definitions here? And so I just did a some quick Googling of, of the following. Like, why is the virus called coronavirus? Mm-hmm. And the internet tells me, coronaviruses derive their name from the fact that under electron microscopes, each virion, and I can tell you what that is, maybe you know, is surrounded by a corona or halo. So that's why it's called coronavirus.
1: Right. And I think that's also part of how people are understanding or not understanding what what information is coming in is that we don't really talk about all the different medical terminology it's it's not common terminology so the fact that the common cold is one type of coronavirus and this is you know or there are other coronaviruses out there but this particular coronavirus is so deadly and spreads so quickly and why that is the reasoning behind so many of the directives or the tips that people are sharing mm-hmm. and and whether or not people really understand What's being told to them i I read an article that talked about you know people think about social distancing when they when they hear the term social distancing, they don't really automatically grasp what they're what it's being told right. to do you know they they think it's a more narrow term or they think it's a much broader term, and then they you they really have to do their own research to try and find out what exactly they're supposed to do in their communities and I think also that's- i Sorry, also, also,
0: also, I looked up COVID nineteen and found that the World Health Organization picked that as the name of this novel coronavirus outbreak. And it's and maybe this is obvious to some, a lot of people, but it wasn't to me. The new name of the disease is coronavirus disease twenty nineteen, which is abbreviated as COVID nineteen. C O for Corona, V I for virus, D for disease and 19 for the year which it began
1: right yes
0: so there (laughs) well uh, marietta carr thanks for joining us and uh, good luck with the gathering the history of the coronavirus in uh, schenectady and did you want to leave the folks you have an uh, email address people can contact you by email
1: yes absolutely if anyone has any questions about donating their materials to the Schenectady County Historical Society or questions about the archive project specific to COVID-19, they can email me at librarian at schenectadyhistorical.org.
0: Well, thank you very much, Marietta. And as we say these days, be well and stay safe.
1: Thank you, you too.
0: This is Historian's Podcast Special Edition, the COVID-19 health crisis. We're speaking with Nina Sankovich, who's author of the book, American Rebels, how the Hancock, Adams, and Quincy families fanned the flames of revolution. I wanna say that the virus was sickened and killed many people, or the virus has sickened and killed many people. That's the important part. But the effect the virus has had on life and health is one thing, a, a whole big uh, issue, but the virus also has impacted restaurants, casinos, church and temple services, and it has affected book publishing. We're recording this on April 8th, uh, Nina, and your new book has just come out, and you've put out other books before. How has the virus crisis affected your book launch?
2: Well, it has completely changed uh, the nature of a book launch. Every event that I had scheduled, including the book launch, the main book launch event that was to be held on the evening the book came out, that was cancelled. You know, every library or historical society or um, I was going to go to the Newport Literary Festival, all of those were cancelled. Obviously, you can't have people meeting together. Um, So Instead of having sort of group meetings or one-on-one meetings with potential readers and readers of my other books, everything has has become virtual. What is amazing is how much the book community has come together to support each other. There are two authors, um, Carolyn Levitt and Jenna Blum, who started a group called A Mighty Blaze, which is a Facebook page and also on Instagram and Twitter. And what they seek to do is to really publicize any books coming out during this pandemic, during this time when there can be no reader events, no you know library meetings, nothing of that sort to discuss books. Instead, they're bringing everything online, and um, they're having author interviews online. So I was interviewed online, and, and, and they're giving us a, you know a place to put our videos, our posts, whatever. So everything has moved online. I've had some Zoom meetings. Online, I have uh, book groups planned online to discuss American rebels. Um, what has, I would be disheartened if it were not for the fact that so many people are joining together to say, keep your local bookstores alive, keep ordering from them, keep um, your authors going by reaching out to them and letting them know what you think. I mean, it's just been such an outpouring of support from so many people. I think the publishing industry is definitely feeling the pain very, very much um, in terms of business, in terms of mm-hmm. getting books out to people. But I've just been so moved, really, by both the readers and the writers who are saying, "We're all in this together. Let's let's all support each other." So, so in some ways, it's been it's been really an an amazing experience.
0: Mm. Um, you, you mentioned that you hope that people will still order from bookstores i know some of our local bookstores up here in uh, the capital district of upstate new york are advertising they're still there i mean they're closed but they can order books and so forth but i mean do you have any i don't know data or feeling that people are still uh, patronizing bookstores online or is all the business going over to amazon
2: well, I'm actually hearing, um, so I'm in Connecticut, and we have a number of bookstores that have, have obviously closed their doors in terms of people coming into the store, but who are delivering books. And through bookstores, you can also order both eBooks and audio books. There's a way to do that where you, you don't do that through Amazon or through Audible. You do that through your local bookstore. And what I'm hearing from, for example, R.J. Julia, which is a bookstore in Connecticut that has two has two locations, uh, they say they're doing so well. They say that orders are, are coming in that people are really supporting them. Um, of course, they have to have the staff and the infrastructure to do that. Um, so I'm sure there are many small bookstores that are struggling with that. But I. From what, just from what I'm seeing from people who are saying to me, oh, I got your book from Jabberwocky Books in Newburyport or from Concord, book, Concord Bookshop in Concord Mass. I am hearing that bookstores are, are up and running and people are supporting them, and I just urge everyone to do that.
0: Well, that's, that's good to hear. Uh, also, in terms of your exposure in the, in the media, the crisis seems to be eating up available media time or or does it? I mean, people still want diversion. You you know, you watch the news for twenty minutes, and they're talking about uh, uh, the the uh, COVID crisis, and then um, maybe they would have time to uh, have a you know an interview or a story about your book.
2: Yeah, I'm I am finding media coverage is is less than it certainly less than it was for my earlier books, and I can't really think of any explanation for that other than the COVID. Crisis, because um, I mean, there's my, this book is, is one that has the reviews that have come in from Publishers Weekly, from from other play from Library Journal, you know, are all very good. So I think there is, um, I think people are turning to books more than ever, which is wonderful. But I think the the sort of media is focusing on, on what people are looking for in their media, which is what happened today. Where you know where are the ventilators? Where are the masks? Are we get, are things getting better? What are what's happening with voting? You know, those are sort of critical questions. That's what I'm turning to media for. I mm-hmm. want answers to those questions, so I can understand that people are not necessarily looking for book reviews right now.
0: <laughs> but I would say that people are looking for books. I mean, reading's a great activity during quarantine. Yeah.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. a book that can take you away (laughs) or a book that can show you other people have survived things like this. And and we've gotten through things like this. Um, You know, that can be a real balm and and solace also.
0: Yeah. An interview with Nina Sankovich about her book uh, will be heard on a historian's podcast episode in May. Her book is about the American revolution and uh, in particular, uh, the, the Boston aspect of that, or the Massachusetts aspect, called American Rebels, How the Hancock, Adams, and Quincy Families Fanned the Flames of Revolution. This has been the Historian's Podcast, special edition. I'm Bob Cudmore.